You may be seated. I just wanted to enjoy the moment, all this attention with handkerchiefs and water. Even got a cell phone here. Microphone. Thank you, Brother Godair. It's good to be back at East Coast Conference 2018. I'm going to do a little something different tonight before I preach. This is important for me to do this. I want to take a moment tonight and represent, in fact, I'd like to have all preachers, if you would, stand. All preachers. This is a tremendous gathering of preachers. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. I want to take a moment tonight and speak for these men, Brother Godair, and express to you how thankful we are for your leadership and the apostolic movement. Thank you for hosting this great, great, great conference. I'm not sure how long that First Pentecostal Church of Durham has hosted the conference, but I'm guessing 20, 25 years. Every year, it has been an absolute tremendous conference to attend. Not because I've been asked to preach, but you're not going to hear any better preaching across America than what you hear at East Coast Conference. Brother Johnny Godair, I want to thank you for being a friend to thousands of preachers. I want to thank you for helping men that at times could not help themselves. I want to thank you for being an anointed preacher, extraordinary. I want to thank you for your faithfulness as a godly apostolic preacher. Not only are you an anointed preacher and teacher, but you are a soul winner. You are a builder of men, a builder of churches, a steward of God. I teach ministers classes across the country, and I teach the 18 requirements that Paul lists to Timothy and Titus of the qualifications of being a bishop. He begins when he writes Timothy and Titus that a bishop must be blameless, the steward of God. He concludes those 18 by saying, and must have a good report of them that are without. I teach preachers if you can't get number one and number 18 right, you're not going to get 2 through 17 right. Bishop Johnny Godair has got number 1 and number 18 right. Steward of God, a blameless man, and a man that has a good report of them that are without. I want to represent the worldwide Pentecostal church, if I may, Bishop Kenny Godair, and tell this audience and this host of preachers, there will not be a worldwide Pentecostal fellowship as we know it had it not been for Brother Johnny Godair.
not only did he lead us in giving financially, but he was our very first chairman. And those two first years of this fellowship was so vital. And the steady hand of Brother Godair in national meetings, at meetings of the executive council, certainly has brought us to where we are as a fellowship. The month of October in the United States is set aside to be Pastor's Appreciation Month. I would like for the members and the friends that attend First Pentecostal Church to please stand and give Bishop Johnny Godair a happy Pastor's Appreciation Applause. So I want you to know that Brother Godair told me to do this. I made a few extra notes today also, and if I cross you, just bear with me. But he's the kind of a man that had he lived in the days of Moses, he would have been one of the 70 elders. Had he lived in the days of King David, he would have been one of David's great men. Now this one's going to be big. But if there were 25 elders around the throne of God in Revelation chapter 4, and not just 24, Brother John Agudel would be the 25th one. Happy pastor's anniversary to my dear friend, my trusted friend, and my closest confidant. Please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, and a second reading out of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. It's impossible for me to read the perfect verses out of the writings of the four evangelists, 
the writers of the four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 40% of their books deals with the last seven days or then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Two-fifths of their book is dedicated to what scholars have called the week of his passion. It began when he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. Revival broke out when children, babes, and sucklings shouted things like, Hosanna in the highest. After that worship service, Jesus healed several that were afflicted and diseased. He also braided together a whip and he drove the money changers out of the state church, the temple. It was at that time that Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, high priest, chief priest, made up their mind that Jesus had to die. Die he did. I'm just going to read a few verses about that, beginning in the 35th verse of the 27th chapter of Matthew. And this brief reading does not do justice of Calvary. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Verse 36, And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. We learned when we harmonized the gospel that that thought was original with the governor representing Rome, Pontius Pilate. Verse 38, Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. Verse 36 says, And sitting down they watched him. And verse 39 and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it up in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God, come off of the cross. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. I'll redeem some of my time and not read all verses I've selected in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But I'll begin in verse 21 and read three verses. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. I've actually been told before that the way that I preach the crucifixion of Jesus It's disturbing because I do my best to preach it pictorially that people can get a glimpse of what Jesus really went through. We casually talk about it, but those big, burly Roman soldiers' fists hurt when they hit him. When they raped him of his garment and he stood clothless before God and man in the public, The lictor's lash that ripped his body that was painful. To add insult to injury, finding Palestinian briars and thorns, some could grow as long as five to seven inches. And they punctured his scalp and crowned him with that. His body was covered with filthy sputum from the cursing mouths of Roman soldiers. He was a bloody, battered, bruised pup, P-U-L-P, when they finally nailed him to the cross. I've also found, though, that many Pentecostals that are worldly don't like the preaching of the cross either. Pentecostals that are compromising the gospel, they, they squirm when the, when, when the cross is preached. I won't itemize some things at this point, but if ever we needed to hear the preaching of the cross, Bishop Booker, we need it now. Father, would you help me, first of all, be a blessing to my dearest friend and the bishop in my life, Brother Johnny Godare. Let him be strengthened through this preaching effort. I pray for the church family that he oversees and pastors. Let this local church be blessed by this preaching. You've sent me tonight a host of great preachers and men of God, and many have brought their companions and families. And I pray, O God, that the Holy Ghost would touch my friends and their families. Certainly not least, if there are some here tonight that's lost without you, let this sermon find their lives and bring them to an altar. Hear me, O God, I pray. I ask it in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Calvary is pronounced Calvaria. In the Latin, in the Greek, it's pronounced kronion. In the Hebrew, it's pronounced gugoleth. In our English, it's pronounced Golgotha. And it was known historically as the place of the skull. Scholars have mixed reviews and opinions why it's called the place of the skull, but I have seen pictures of what archaeologists are now defining as the location 
of the crucifixion of Jesus and indeed the landscape of that place called Golgotha gives an eerie resemblance of a human skull. That may be the way it is, but honestly, most writers write that when Rome would execute their Jewish enemies, and most of those executions would be in and around this place called Calvary, they left their heads after they had their heads cut from their body just to rot as a warning to anyone else not to threaten the state of Rome. Consequently, historically it is said that Calvary was called the place of the skull because indeed there were dozens and scores of sun-bleached human skulls that left a reminder of their execution. I find it interesting that when the audience began to pass by, that some sat down and watched him. Then others passed by and wagged their head, reviling him and desecrating him. But no one owns it any more than the priest and the scribes when they walked by this soon-to-be corpse, battered black and blue, soaked in his own blood, they said, if you'll come off of that cross, we'll believe in you. I've already gave you some interesting statistics. Two-fifths of the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are dedicated to the last week and or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Frankly, the emphasis was not necessarily on his birth, and that was important. The emphasis was not necessarily on his public preaching, and that was important. The emphasis was not necessarily on his public teaching, and that was important. The emphasis was not necessarily on the 35 recorded miracles that the evangelists write. But it's now obvious by the process of elimination that the most important subject in the Gospels is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wonder how life would have been had Jesus come off that cross. First, all his preaching would have been in vain. Had Jesus come off of the cross, all of his preaching would have been in vain. Had he come off of the cross, all of his miracles would have been in vain. Had it come off of the cross, all the Old Testament prophecies about him would have been in vain. And all the prophets that prophesied about him would have been categorized as false prophets. 
If he had called on the angels to pull out the nails, all the world tonight would be condemned to hell. All hope would be lost. All expectation would be lost. All anticipation would be lost. Had Jesus come off of the cross, no sins could ever be forgiven. And had Jesus come off of the cross, our hearts would be empty as opposed to being filled. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there'd be no healing for our sick, diseased, and afflicted body. If Jesus would have come off of the cross, the possessed could not be delivered. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be no church. There would be no water baptism in Jesus' name. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be no remission of sins. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be no baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be no sanctification. There would be no justification. There would be no regeneration. There would be no salvation. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be no rapture. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would have been no hope of a resurrection. Had Jesus come off of the cross, you and I would not have a great heavenly hope. No hope of eternal life. Brother Spell, I think we've gotten to the place that we take for granted this powerful, anointed music and singing that we hear at East Coast Conference. But had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be none of the things that I just said. Had Jesus come off of the cross, there would be no preaching tonight and tomorrow, the days ahead, and the weeks and the months to come. I'm not even sure if he was even tempted to come off of the cross. But I will tell you this. I don't think that the high priest and the chief priest and the scribes would have believed in him had he come off of the cross. But because he stayed on the cross, we have life in him. I'm only going to call on you one time tonight, but if you're going to clap your hands, let heaven hear you. But because he did not come off of the cross, we have a wonderful verse that he who the Son hath set free is free indeed. Because he did not come off of the cross, we have a wonderful verse. There is therefore now no condemnation 
to them that are in Christ Jesus. Because he did not come off of the cross. We have another verse. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I want to serve the devil notice tonight. Christ died on the cross that we could be set free. On this conference night in Durham, North Carolina. Bishop Goder, I'm going to go the way I feel the Holy Ghost is leading me. Because he stayed on the cross, the doctor said you have cancer and you're not going to get better. I've come to tell you that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. Somebody with cancer ought to shout right now. Somebody with coronary ought to shout right now. And by his stripes. Hold him up high. Hallelujah. Get on your tiptoes, brother. Hold him up high for me. I'm looking at you right there with the big hands right in my face. Hold those hands up real high. Christ could have pulled the nails out, but he stayed on the cross. Christ could have pulled the spear out, but he stayed on the cross. Christ could have uncrowned the thorns from his scalp, but he stayed on the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here tonight because of the preaching of the cross. Of Jesus Christ. While I'm preaching healing for the body. That is wonderful. But the greatest miracle of all. Because he stayed on the cross. We've been born again. Of the water and of the spirit. Had he come off of the cross, the blood and the water would not have come out of his side. We're here today because Christ. Paul writes and the Greeks call it foolishness, the preaching of the cross. You know, the cross was nothing to them but a stick in the ground, a pole in the ground, a post in the ground. And the Greek word for foolishness is Maria. Preaching the cross was silliness to them. Preaching the cross was absurd to the Grecians. Preaching the cross was ridiculous to the Grecians. Preaching the cross was preposterous to the Grecians. Preaching the cross was unbelievable to the Grecians. The Grecians were well aware of the brutality of the state of Rome. They knew that their number one way of executing enemies to the state of Rome was by crucifixion. Only the worst of the worst went to a cross. Only hardened criminals went to the cross. And the Grecians would ask, 
Now you want me to believe that there was a pole driven in the ground in Jerusalem and there was a man that was nailed to the Roman cross and you want us to believe that that man is the savior of the world? To the Grecians, that was silliness. To the Grecians, that was insanity. To the Grecians, that was lunacy. To the Grecians, that was considered psychotic. You see, the Grecians were considered genius. And the preaching of the cross was beneath their intellect. You see, the Grecians were considered scholars. And the preaching of the cross humored them. The Grecians were considered academic. And the preaching of the cross was bothersome to them. The Grecians were considered intellectually brilliant. And the preaching of the cross was an annoyance to them. The Grecians were considered to be philosophical. And the preaching of the cross was an exasperation to them. The Grecians were not theological, but they were indeed theoretical. And the preaching of the cross was illogical to the brilliant minds of the Grecians. Fast forward time. October 24, 2018. I've come to advise this audience that your wisdom, your intellect, your philosophical approach to Christianity will never comprehend the mercies of God. The historical so-called five philosophical evangelists that called Athens or ancient Greece home, Plato, the philosophy of reasoning, and the preaching of the cross, was unreasonable. Their second philosophical evangelist was Aristotle, the philosophy of logic and aesthetics and the preaching of the cross to the followers of Aristotle was foolishness. And then there's the philosopher evangelist whose name was Epicurus who taught the philosophy of atomistic materialism and the preaching of the cross was foolish to his students. And then there was the scholar called Zeno who taught the philosophy of Stoicism that the pathway to happiness is personal control and preaching about a dead man on the cross was ridiculous. And finally, the evangelist of philosophy, whose name was Socrates, who taught the philosophy of curiosity, the preaching of the cross was foolish. You see, intellect and wisdom taught, be wise and know yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross is foolish. Philosophy taught, be strong, discipline yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross was foolish. Philosophy taught, be sensuous and enjoy yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross is foolish. Philosophy taught, be resourceful and expand yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross 
was foolishness. Philosophy taught, be confident and assert yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross was foolish. Philosophy taught, be satisfied and please yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross is foolish. Philosophy taught, be capable and believe in yourself. Therefore, the preaching of the cross was foolish. I have come to announce to you, and perhaps a lot of you here tonight don't even have a high school education, but you studied the old black black book without a diploma, without academia, without scholarship, and God has revealed to you that by the shedding of blood, there is remission of sins. I speak in the Holy Ghost tonight the blood that Jesus shed 1,987 years ago is still flowing tonight. It can cleanse every sinner. It can wash away every sin. It can heal every broken heart. It can change every alcoholic. It can turn the prostitute around. It's not by wisdom and philosophy, but it's because of the cross I'm not sure why we need to approach this apologetically when we preach about it but perhaps it's wise I am not preaching against quality education I'm not preaching against getting your college degree I have some secular college I have some Bible school training, and I wish I had more. But I'm glad the audience is listening this intent to me right now where I can make the statement that everyone can hear. Nothing would take the place in your life like a trip to the old rugged cross. Nothing can fill your soul any quicker than an old-fashioned heaven-sent powerful prayer meeting what I want you to know that we're here tonight in the presence of God because at the cross at the cross we first saw the light and the burdens of our heart was rolled away we're living in challenging times in the United States I don't think you have to be a politician or a student of current events to recognize that. Never in all of my years of being a student of our American Republic and our democracy have I seen a nation so divided politically, so divided socially, and so divided racially, and without pomp and without circumstance. Mr. Trump, I respectfully call your name out. But the solutions for America is not in the White House. If I could call all 100 senators by name, Mr. and Ms. Senator, the answer is not in the chambers of the Senate. If I could call the names of every member of the House of Representatives, Mr. and Mrs. Representative, the answer is not in the halls of the House of Representatives. 
But without any reservation, I approach you tonight and tell you that the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus Christ is the answer for the ills of America. Abortion is going unchecked. Same-sex marriage is becoming commonal. Recreational marijuana will lead to another law that will be passed to endorse other type of drugs. Racial hostilities in our country, in my opinion, are at an all-time high. We're currently thinking about that we're going to have an invasion from friends from the South coming to our country. I, I, I'm going to let the politicians take care of that problem, but I'm going to take care of what the preacher needs to take care of tonight. Don't get your mind on the negative news in America. You do that, it will drag you down spiritually. Don't you start biting your fingernails and saying, I'm afraid the church is in trouble. I beg your pardon. The church is still vibrant. The church is still Holy Ghost filled. The church is still the body of Christ. The church is still sanctified. The church is separated from the world. This is not a pep rally point, but this ain't no time to compromise holiness standards. It's still a holy church without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. In America, belief in God is wavering and is at an all-time low. Follow the statistics. Christianity continues to slide. Church attendance with all major denominations included continues to decline. The religious right in politics has become much more political than they are spiritual. Christianity has become a financial marketplace for writers and singers and preachers. In fact, it's a 13 annual, 13 billion dollar annually marketing Jesus Christ. We're in a time in America. It's not a time that we need to fret and think that everything is going to collapse around us. I really feel this in my spirit. I hope to think that the church will soon be raptured. But if the church is still on the earth, when the economy falls, the church is not going to fall with it. If the church is still on the earth, when kingdoms and governments fall, the church is not going to fall with it. Major denominations may compromise their historical doctrines, but because God has given us men like Bishop Godair, like Bishop Booker, and a host of others on the platform, you're in good hands because we have no intention of embracing the cares of life. It's still a holy church.
Little by little, false doctrines are making their way into our churches. You can sit in denial if you want to. But there are men that once graced the apostolic pulpit as eloquent preachers. And they preach the oneness of the Godhead without fear and without favor. I know them by name. They're my friends. I can give you the names of many that now embraces the Trinity as an alternative doctrine. And it really doesn't matter if it's one or if it's three. I want to settle that score right now. It really does matter. For Come on, let's have a little church around here. Sit down. Psalm that once preached, Brother Kenny Goldair, the absolutes, the essentials, the necessities of the new birth experience, which is comprised of repentance from sin, what a baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, and the essentiality of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. You better hear me, preacher. This thing called the light doctrine is gaining traction in a lot of Pentecostal churches. Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you, except a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom. I certainly don't think that we have a corner on God. But you're not saved by a fraction of the revelation. I preach and I need somebody to help me against this traction gaining light doctrine that's coming to our churches. Hear me preacher. Don't buy into that false doctrine. It is still here, O Israel. The Lord thy God is one Lord. You know, I'm old enough to say some things without feeling like I'm embarrassing myself. So it's good that I can be real transparent with you tonight. Brother Godair, you've given me liberty for many years to grace the pulpit that you pastor. But I told my wife, I said, for the last several weeks, since I've been pointing to this service tonight and preaching, it seems as if that every way I would turn... I was contending with demonic forces, trying to hinder my study, trying to hinder my prayer, trying to hinder my memorization of my notes. Every way that I turn, just a battle in the spirit, walking the floor at night, praying for East Coast 2018. Up this morning, well before 2.30, I went into my first prayer, and the Lord came to me. And spoke to me in a voice that I knew it was in his indelible voice. Speaking to me and said to me, hey preach. The thing that I need to reveal to you right now. That the spiritual world does not want you to preach the power of the cross that I bore. 
and the spiritual world and some that you will preach to in this conference no longer no longer really embraces the fullness of the doctrine of our father I have not come tonight to lead you in an east coast pet rally but I've come to represent the apostolic ministry there will be revival to the one God church there will be revival to the Jesus name church there will be revival to the Holy Ghost church there will be revival to the holiness church come on brother Kenny go there this is your corner let's have a revival Perhaps what I just admitted to you didn't you didn't do you much good. But it felt so good when I got that off of my chest because at 3 a.m. this morning I was one on one with a devil and I called him a liar and the father of all lies. I want you to bind with me right now and let's send the devil back to hell where he came from. Loose the people, I say. Let the people rejoice. Hey, that's okay. We got time to shout a little bit. I'll see more sisters jumping than men jumping. Set me out. I feel like I got the devil on the run right now. My God. Come on, girls. Set me out. I feel like I got the devil on the run right now. He wants you bound. He wants you shackled. He wants you fearful. He wants you doubtful. But because he stayed on the cross,
Brother Wesley Jackson, I think you're representing a lot of preachers here tonight. You know what God has promised you. You know what you want to see God do in your life and in your church. But you know I'm telling the truth. Every day is another challenge. What will your next crises be to deal with? The devil is doing everything to keep you occupied and away from the work of God and a move of God. Brother Jackson, mark it down. I told you tonight, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, may the Lord grant unto you the power of God like you've never known before. But I'm talking to all preachers here tonight. It's not just for that pastor from Generette, Louisiana, but it's for every one of you. Take charge of it all. Brother Booker, I don't mean to embarrass you, but don't let this man pray like that. Would you come and lay hands on Brother Wesley Jackson? We got time for this man to get his soul fed tonight in the power of the Holy Ghost. Bishop Booker, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, everybody. I want them to keep praying. You can be seated while they're praying. Keep praying. That's fine, Brother Jackson. All you're doing is helping me preach tonight, my brother. The thing that I want all of you to come to terms with, Satan has sent every horde, demonic spirit that he owns and possesses to bring a denial on the power of the cross. But I've come to tell you tonight that the power of the cross is 100% 
immutable. The power of the cross is 100% irrefutable. The power of the cross is 100% indisputable. The power of the cross is 100% absolute. The power of the cross is 100% unassailable. It is undeniable. And the brilliance of the philosophers of the Grecians, they couldn't reconcile in their mind that there was a post driven in the ground on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And there was a 33-year-old man that was condemned to die by the courts of his city. However, the governor of Rome interrogated Jesus three times. And all three times after cross-examination, Pilate had the same verdict. I find no fault in this man. I would pose a question to the audience. How can you find fault in someone that is so beautiful? How can you find fault in someone that is so compassionate? How can you find, my God Almighty, how can you find fault in someone so dynamic? How can you find fault in someone so flawless? Ladies and gentlemen, he knew no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And he died on the cross that you might have that life. And my God, this place ought to be shouting I'm in Christ Jesus I'm a new creature all things are passed away all things become new Brother Godair, what time are we supposed to be down at the gymnasium for that delicious meal? Whenever you God. You know, Brother Marler, when people your age and Brother Godair, my age, and we're close to the same age, when we broke in, the old cotton patch preachers, they preached one God on Sunday morning, and they preached the plan of salvation on Sunday night. The next Sunday, they preached the plan of salvation on Sunday morning, and one God on Sunday night. And some way and somehow, both Sunday mornings and Sunday night, they found a way to preach against sin and to preach about holiness. I'm up front with you tonight. The reason we're seeing more worldliness in our churches today is because we're having less holiness preaching in our churches today. The reason some of our folks are embracing the Trinity, they're not hearing the oneness of the Godhead preached anymore. 
the reason some of our folks are being swallowed up by the light doctrine they're not hearing the plan of salvation preached anymore but what brought revival to the brother O.C. Marley younger days it has not changed I would urge you to follow me back to the Bible and back to the cross the cross is supreme the cross is supernatural the cross is divine the cross is infallible the cross is infinite the cross is immortal the, the cross is immeasurable the cross is personal the cross is universal it's not for your neighbor it's not for the brother and sister in the church it's for you right now at 32 minutes after 9 in Durham, North Carolina if you need a revival in your soul reach out and touch the cross if you need healing in your body reach out and touch the cross Just for me one more time, big brother. Brother Jackson, I went back and spoke to your bishop and got his approval that what's happening with me and you tonight is with his approval. So just because you want to be a part of this, just come up here and put a hand on me. That's right. We're going to take one more trip, Brother Wesley. Praise God. Praise God. I'm fine. I want the Lord to do something in your life tonight, my young brother. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Be seated. Because of the cross. Because of the cross. God. God. Because of the cross. If it wasn't for the cross. Because of the cross. Are you ready? I'm waiting on you to get with me. Because of the cross. Because of the cross. For the Lord himself. Because of the cross. Shall descend from heaven with a shout. Because of the cross. With the voice of the archangel. And the trump of God. Because of the cross. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Because of the cross. And we which are alive and remain. Because of the cross. This world is not my home. Because of the cross. Come on, folks. I'm not preaching you about a real nice little vacation. I'm talking about if you believe in God, Jesus said, Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. Because of the cross. Come on, Brother Wilmoth. Come on, Brother Akron. Get up here, boys. Stand by Brother Jackson. Come on, Brother Wilmoth. Come on, Brother Bart. Come help me. Come on, Brother Bart Atkins. Come help me. I want the devil to hear me say, God is raising up some young men to fill the apostolic ministry that is not about to sell out. We're not about to tweak it. We cannot improve on it. Look beyond me and see these young men. This is the next generation of non-compromising anointed preachers. Come on, don't let these boys shout by themselves. We're doing this tonight because of the cross. Get up here and shout with me. Hallelujah. Come on, let's do it God's way. Clap your hands, all ye people. Clap your hands, all ye people. Listen to this devil. 
shout unto the Lord with a mighty voice because of the cross because of the cross sicknesses are being healed afflictions are being healed because of the cross sins are being forgiven because of the cross Come on, that's enough preaching. That's an hour and ten minutes. But it's not enough worship. It's not enough shouting. It's not enough rejoicing. Don't leave this place tonight without your victory. Shout it one more time. Clap those hands one more time. Don't turn it loose unless he blesses you. Get a hold of your cross. Get a hold of the cross. I'm done. Clap your hands. I'm done. Shout unto the Lord. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. This is what the devil does not want you to hear. Thank God for the cross. Come out of your pews and press down the aisles. 